Chapters thirteen to fourteen of Tristram Shandy, Volume One. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Life and Opinions of Tristram Shandy, Gentleman, Volume One by Lawrence Dune, Chapters thirteen and fourteen. It is so long since the reader of this rhapsodical work has been parted from the midwife that it is high time to mention her again to him, merely to put him in mind that there is such a body still in the world and whom, upon the best judgment I can form upon my own plan at present, I am going to introduce to him for good and all. But as fresh matter may be started, and much unexpected business fall out betwixt the reader and myself, which may require immediate dispatch. Twas right to take care that the poor woman should not be lost in the meantime, because when she is wanted, we can no way do without her. I think I told you that this good woman was a person of no small note and consequence throughout our whole village and township, that her fame had spread itself to the very out edge and circumference of that circle of importance of which kind every living soul, whether he has a shirt on his back or no, has one surrounding him. Which said circle, by the way, whenever tis said that such a one is of great weight and importance in the world, I desire may be enlarged and contracted, in your worship's fancy, in a compound ratio of the station, profession, knowledge, abilities, height, and depth, measuring both ways, of the personage brought before you. In the present case, if I remember, I fixed it about four or five miles, which not only comprehends the whole parish, but extends itself to two or three of the adjacent hamlets in the skirts of the next parish, which made a considerable thing of it, I must add. But she was, moreover, very well looked on, at one large grange house, and some other odd houses and farms within two or three miles, as I said from the smoke of her own chimney. But I must here, once for all, inform you that all this will be more exactly delineated and explained in a map, now in the hands of the engraver, which, with many other pieces and developments of this work, will be added to the end of the twentieth volume not to swell the work, I detest the thought of such a thing, but by way of commentary, scholium, illustration, and key to such passages, incident and innuendos, as shall be thought to be either of private interpretation or of dark or doubtful meaning. After my life and opinions shall have been read over, now don't forget the meaning of the word, by all the world, which, betwixt you and me, and in spite of the gentlemen reviewers in Great Britain, and all that their worships shall undertake to write or say to the contrary, I am determined shall be the case. I need not tell your worship that all this is spoke in confidence. Upon looking into my mother's marriage settlement, in order to satisfy myself, and reader, in a point necessary to be cleared up, before we could proceed any farther in this history, I had the good fortune to pop upon the very thing I wanted before I had read a day and a half straight forwards. It might have taken me up a month. 
which shows plainly that when a man sits down to write a history, though it be but the history of Jack Hickathrift or Tom Thumb, he knows no more than his heels what lets and confounded hindrances he is to meet with in his way, or what a dance he may be led, by one excursion or another, before all is over. Could a historiographer drive on his history, as a muleteer drives on his mule, straight forward, for instance, from Rome all the way to Loreto, without ever turning his head aside, either to the right hand or to the left hand? He might venture to foretell you to an hour when he should get to his journey's end. But the thing is, morally speaking, impossible. For if he is a man of the least spirit, he will have fifty deviations from a straight line to make with this or that party as he goes along, which he can no ways avoid. He will have views and prospects to himself perpetually soliciting his eye, which he can no more help standing still to look at than he can fly. He will, moreover, have various accounts to reconcile, anecdotes to pick up, inscriptions to make out, stories to weave in, traditions to sift, personages to call upon, panegyrics to paste up at his door, pasquinades at that, all which both the man and his mule are quite exempt from. To sum up all, there are archives at every stage to be looked into, and rolls, records, documents, and endless genealogies which justice ever and anon calls him back to stay the reading of. In short, there is no end of it. For my own part, I declare I have been at it these six weeks, making all the speed I possibly could, and am not yet born. I have just been able, and that's all, to tell you when it happened, but not how. So that, you see, the thing is yet far from being accomplished. These unforeseen stoppages, which I own, I had no conception of when I first set out, but which, I am convinced now, will rather increase than diminish as I advance, have stuck out a hint which I am resolved to follow, and that is, not to be in a hurry, but to go on leisurely, writing and publishing, two volumes of my life every year, which, if I am suffered to go on quietly, and can make a tolerable bargain with my bookseller, I shall continue to do as long as I live. End of chapters 13 to 14